Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so you can be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. It's Monday, July 31st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. And back after a little bit of an absence, but we're happy to have him back Hi, in the studio. <laughs> From Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Good to see you. It's good to be back. Nice. I'm feeling I've a little it. less pressure. I missed it. I like <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Really, I really do apologize. Mondays, Mondays were more like it just it could go one of two ways, either right. You know, the last now couple of Mondays, Jason was. And is Taylor, is Taylor back? <laughs> I have to. I have tuned in. People really don't want to hear me droning on. <laughs> that for was admirable. Uh, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. We got to start with the deal of the day, and that is Discovery Communications buying Scripps Interactive in a deal valued at. $14.5 billion. This is a cash and stock deal. This is one that was well telegraphed. And because of that, the buyout price for Scripps Interactive is $90 a share. The stock had been in sort of the mid 60s uh, not, too, not too long ago. And once these reports started to come out, then the stock was getting bid up. So that's why you're not seeing any kind of a pop today. I am a little surprised, though, Jason, that Discovery Communications is down more than 7%. Because, again, this was pretty well telegraphed. So, I'm just wondering if the sell-off in Discovery Communications is people think the buyout price is too high, people were hoping it was going to be all stock and and no cash whatsoever. But, I mean, there's nothing other than the price tag, there's nothing new about this deal. No, I mean, I guess I wouldn't say it's a valuation thing. I mean, this deal values scripts at a little bit less than 10 times EBITDA, which is basically in line with Discovery's valuation, I guess, before today, before the market opened. Um, I think that generally, though, the perception of this deal, at least the way I see it, is that this is a much more important deal for Discovery than it is for scripts. I think scripts is the more compelling part of this of this deal. I think it has more compelling properties that they've demonstrated, I think, perhaps a bit more long-term success, certainly here domestically, at least. I mean, they are both companies with big audiences, but also big challenges as the media space starts to Starts to change, and so I mean, I think you know the advantage here in this day and age, there should be a lot of good viewer data that these guys can go on to really whittle down the best offerings that that they can then bring out to the market. And, and as the skinny bundle sort of evolves, and these over-the-top live streaming um, deals start to evolve. I think Scripps is a is a big deal here. I think that is going to be sort of that no brainer content that virtually everybody is going to want to have on their food plate network. in some capacity. Yeah, Food Network, HGTV. HGTV, all of that good stuff, and it's it's just very it's relatable content, particularly here domestically. I think it just has a, a very uh, wide audience ranging in age. I don't I I know they like to say that it is primarily a female audience, and maybe the math bears that out. But I think it is content that really caters to both male and female audiences. And so, at the end of the day, we always talk about content being king. There's a lot of great content that both of these companies get out there. I think that with Discovery, it's going to add a decent chunk of debt 
to, to the company's balance sheet. I think like over two and a half billion. Yeah, I think it, it's was. not. They, it's not like they can't handle it. I mean, mm-hmm. they they both have very very strong cash flow generating models. Um, but but again, I mean, I think this is something that makes you wonder a little bit about Discovery. I mean, clearly over the over the past five years or so, uh, Scripps has been the better performer of the two, and I think that that. Mainly speaks to the content offering and how how uh, it just has gained more traction over time. And you mentioned international. That's where a lot of people say that this could probably be the biggest gain for Discovery. Is that around fifty percent of their business is international, where Scripps isn't quite there yet. So maybe they have this the channels the the deals that they've worked out with international partners to then get Scripps TV shows exposed to a more international audience. But um, yeah, I think. Very similar companies in terms of their their distribution. So I'm wondering like how they're gonna you know come of age sort of. We talk about the over the top, the skinny bundles. I saw somewhere that people suggested um, they could throw a bundle together for five dollars a month. Personally, I wouldn't pay five dollars a month for it, but um, it's a slightly more than they get in affiliate fees combined. So that's certainly an option. I think that it's almost a no brainer if if uh, you continue to see cable subscribers cut the cord. Um, and then you talk about Amazon and Netflix combined for over $10 billion in spending on original content this year. That's almost the price of this deal. So um, the competition there is it's, it's worrisome if I'm, if I'm these two companies. And when I first saw it, I was like, didn't this already happen? Because they've talked about, <laughs> they've talked about this twice, uh, and now it seems like it's finally going to happen. Well, and um, I know that this is not sort of the impetus for a deal like this, but when you think about advertising, mm-hmm. um, because that is still a meaningful amount of revenue for these uh, networks, you think about HGTV, you think about the Food Network. If you are a major company in those two spaces, you're advertising on those networks. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, you watch any of those channels, I mean, you see those ads over and over and over again. I mean, Wayfair is, is one that, that advertises a lot on those channels. Um, again, I mean, they, they've been doing what they've been doing for a while, and, and I think both companies on their own have some pretty neat, compelling content. I think together, uh, this will help them maximize efficiencies. I think that they really should have a lot of good data to be able to go on and able, you know, in, in being able to sort of whittle down the most compelling content on both sides of the of the coin there. And, and then I think internationally, Discovery's done a great job trying mm-hmm. to build that business out internationally. It's it's been, I guess, not quite as well received as maybe they had hoped. I think there's certainly some opportunity there for scripts as well. And then you can't. Dismiss. I mean, the potential for additional shows. I mean, the it's really neat content. I mean, it's 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 because it's real life. It's just it's stuff that just changes every day. It's you don't have to really get too terribly creative with it. I mean, I'm not saying they're not creative, but it is kind of stuff that just happens. It's based on sort of real life. Yeah, it's not as scripted as most other cable companies. People are going to be buying houses 20 years from now, and they're going to be going through the same sorts of. Uh, jumping through the same sorts of hoops, and, and I mean, science isn't going anywhere. I mean, Discovery <laughs> really shines brightly on that front, and, and Scripps certainly uh, shines very brightly on the, on the homeowner front, on the, the food front. I mean, it's just all very relatable content for, I think, households in general. Have you guys ever used, when you travel uh, domestically, have you ever used the Food Network uh, website, the, the restaurant finder they have? No, I have not. You can, you can no. go on there, and it's basically like, oh, I'm going to this city, and you just type that in, and any restaurant or food vendor that has ever been featured on the Food Network oh, yeah? 
will pop up, and then you can be like, "Oh, okay, well, now I'm going to go check out this restaurant." Or yeah, it's a it's a neat little tool. Can you, you click guilty. over to like an episode, like is like a clip yeah. A lot of times they've got they've got video. Oh, yeah, you get a guilty pleasure, a show on on scripts or Discovery that you're like. You know, I probably wouldn't go broadcast this, but I'm going to ask you to broadcast it today. Guilty oh, I mean, you know, diners, diners, drive-ins. And <laughs> See, that's, I, I would say I the mean, same thing. I mean, yeah. That's I why they bought it. I Triple D. I'm not, I'm not saying I want to like be on a cross-country flight sitting next to Guy Fieri, but I, mean, uh, I wouldn't turn it down either. Uh, but uh, it's, some of those places are yeah. like really great. Yeah, I wonder what I his really, cut from this deal is. Really enjoy that show. Guy's probably doing well. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, he's doing well. Uh, so. I'm not sure what the headline on this next story is, um, but it probably falls under the umbrella of not nearly as terrible as I thought it was going to be, which <laughs> is that today is the day that the lockup period for Snap Insiders expires. So, uh, Snap went public recently, uh, big IPO right out of the gate in terms of tech industry IPOs, and the stock has gone down from there, obviously. 43% or so. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, who's counting? And uh, July 31st was the day that insiders could actually sell their shares. And there was an expectation among many, and I will include myself in that group, who thought, boy, this is going to be another bad day for Snap. And the stock is basically flat right now, although you look at the volume of trading. And it is in a typical day about 14 million shares of Snap will be traded. It is almost 12 noon as we are taping right now, so we're not even halfway through the trading day, and already more than 26 million shares have traded hands. I'm surprised by this. What about you, Jason? Um, I mean, I'm not honestly, and I think the main reason why is because it's no secret. I mean, we knew this was all coming. I mean, there is a today is this unlocking of I think 400 million shares or so. There's another big slug of shares coming up in the middle of August that'll become available to sell as well. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, economics rule and supply and demand sort of sort of uh, do whatever they're going to do. But I mean, I think. The main thing here is that it wasn't a secret. I mean, we all knew this was coming. So I do think there is something priced coming, into this, you know, in advance. So I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, you could see it either way. Like, would it, would I have been surprised if the stock was down ten percent? No. I mean, would I have been surprised if it was up ten percent? Probably so. Um, that it's flat it doesn't really tell me one thing or another. I think I, I think the the questions all still remain with Snap. I mean, the big question at least is. If the market is going to judge you first and foremost in this space on the number of users that you have, then I think Snap has its work cut out for it. I think they know that too, and I think that's going to be something that a lot of people are paying attention to. Um, I mean, this is something that is just part and parcel of being a public company. You have share expiration, you lock up expirations that come into play, and in a month we won't be. Talking about it, we'll be talking more about uh, the latest quarter that they announced and sort of the fundamentals of this business. But you know what happened today? It's neither here nor there, I guess. I wonder what would happen if the stock was up forty percent. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, since that, that would be maybe surprising. they're trying to recoup some of their some of their losses by holding on for a little longer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing for me. It's not a surprise to me that insiders are are selling their shares. The fact that there's uh, apparently an equal number yeah, of, of people, people on the other side of the equation saying. Yeah, we feel like uh, this is this is worth our dollars, and maybe it's maybe psychology is part of it because if you're buying shares of Snap today, one of the things going through your head is, "Hey, 
I'm not buying at the IPO price. I'm getting it at a discount <laughs> to the That's IPO very price. very true. Well, I got, I mean, on Twitter today, a buddy of mine, one of the guys over at 106.7 The Fan, you guys know maybe Drab T-shirt, uh, Matt Cahill, was asking me this very question. He said, Jason, my best friend is all in on Snap. He wants the Drabber to join him. And I, I mean, I, you know, and that, that's where I have to look at that and say, listen, I'm not going to tell you whether to buy or sell, but, but here's sort of some, some thoughts that I have on the matter. Um, and again, focusing on users, understanding that growth in that, in that regard with Snapchat is certainly slowing down. I mean, based on the most recent numbers we saw, he asked, couldn't the same be said for Twitter? I said, that's exactly, yeah, they could say that. I mean, that's the point, really, is to kind of be able to look at things that have happened in the past and maybe learn some lessons from them so that we can look at some of these opportunities in the future and see how we should be judging them. And so, I think with Snapchat or with Snap, I mean, all sorts of reasons to be concerned. I mean, it's going to be a very long time until they're profitable. It's, it's, I'm not convinced that it's a platform for the masses. So I think that if they want to grow into this valuation that they have today, which even at today's price, and even if you take into account full year revenue expectations, the stock is still somewhere in the neighborhood of 16, 17 times sales, which is a very premium multiple to Facebook, Zillow, TripAdvisor, Twitter, all those companies. So it, it, there is a lot of optimism still baked into this stock today, and until I see that little snap ghost everywhere where I see the the <laughs> Facebook and Instagram and Twitter logos, then I don't see how this works. I mean, they're going to have to figure out a way to become something more. And this, you know, goal of being a camera company, I don't know, is necessarily the right play unless it's a corner that no one else can see around except for Evan Spiegel. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. I guess time will tell how visionary he really is. But as it stands right now, I've read of uh, you know some concern there in Snap headquarters about this this lockup expiration and future lockup expirations and really where this company is headed. Well, that was one of the nuggets buried in Facebook's earnings report last week that I found interesting, which was that Instagram has 15 million Business accounts. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Instagram and, and, is <laughs> well. And the other thing I was going to say is, and and that is, you know, you you invoked Facebook, and um, but not in the way that some in the financial media have, which is coming into this lockup period. There were some people, some analysts out there saying, well, you know, if you you heard these same concerns when Facebook's lockup period uh, expired after their initial, you know, their initial public offering, and. Boy, if you had bought then, and that's that's where I just want to say, please stop doing that. Please, <laughs> that's a please, tough please, comparison. Yeah, please oh stop it. You know, and to your point about the revenue, it's like, yeah, um, Facebook was actually making money hand over yeah. fist. There I mean, were there were serious questions, particularly around mobile advertising. Those questions have been they answered in yeah, they, spades by Facebook. But come on, the comparisons to Facebook are lazy. I mean, let's just the only way to put it. I mean, Facebook. Has has far more users. It's far more relevant. I mean, and we said this on Motley Fool Money this past week. I mean, if, if you're an advertiser, you're an idiot for not advertising on Facebook. I mean, you have to just because of, of the number of eyeballs that they've garnered on the Facebook platform and Instagram and the properties that they have with all of those users. I mean, it's not to say Snap can't be successful. It very well may be, but they are at a they're they're in a position right now where they basically have no room for error. And and even then, I mean, they have a long way to go until they're even profitable. And and so, rather than judge the stock and the company on a, a very short-term 
style event like a, like a lockup expiration. I mean, let's try to focus more on the fundamentals of the business. Um, I mean, we'll learn a lot more here in in the beginning of August when they announce uh, their their quarterly results. And and I think that we all are, are looking forward to learning more about the business and kind of seeing where they want to take it. Before we dip into the mailbag, I want to say thanks to our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple. It allows you to fully understand all the details and be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. That's rocketmortgage.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com from Matt Holtzman, who forwarded an email and wrote, I just saw this Groupon and couldn't help but wonder if discounting the Costco membership is a new signal of decline. Would love your thoughts. And uh, as I said, he forwarded an email that he, a Groupon email that he got. And the main promotion that was featured there was a one year Costco Gold Star membership that comes with a $20 Costco cash card and exclusive coupons. And you could get all of this for $60. A Gold Star membership at Costco for one year on its own costs $55. This can cut both ways. You can look at this and say, hey, if they if Costco gets a whole bunch of new members and gets people who wouldn't otherwise consider a Costco membership and locks them in because we know they're so good at retention, then this is totally worth it. That's the way I'm looking at it. Is that how you're looking at it? That's how I'm looking at it. Yeah. Go on. Um, they're doing well. <laughs> Please I mean, continue. This is, I think, this is a better deal for Groupon because it's actually a compelling offer. Um, and yeah, it's a gift that keeps on giving. A Costco membership. You get in there if you've never been in, and then all of a sudden, for twenty bucks, you get the chance to stroll in there and see what it's all about. I think they have a very, very hard sell when you go in there. It's, it's easy to just be uh, completely blown away by the difference of what the availability in there uh, from your traditional store. I mean, and it's doing well. I looked at the sell-off. The Amazon Whole Foods deal as a potential entry point for myself. I don't own the stock, but when I saw it, when I saw that stock sell off the way it did, that I've been wanting some of it for myself for a little while now, and haven't pulled the trigger yet. But it's it's still selling at that reasonable price, I think, compared to historical numbers. And yeah, this doesn't worry me from a Costco perspective at all. Jason, yeah, I think the knee jerk reaction for the skeptic would be, oh, this is. The beginning of the end. We told you so. Costco's <laughs> on the way out. I mean, I, I, you can't look at it that way at all. I mean, and I would I, say I'm I'll generally. Just say, I'll just say I didn't think it was the beginning of the end, but I did sort of make that. I do like, like the thought yeah. process. Right? Like it's just a, like, oh, I don't like that. You can't associate with Groupon. So this is marketing, right? This yeah. is marketing, plain and simple for Costco. I think. Um, it's it's a way for them to reach out to an audience that they've yet to capture, and and I think you both made the point. I mean, this really gives them a chance to bring new members in and then do what they do best mm-hmm. in retaining them. Now, whether it works, that's the question. I mean, it's not going to cost them anything to try, but I do think that this at least makes the question mark as to how attractive a model this is going forward for younger generations of shoppers. I think it makes that question mark a little bit more pronounced, uh, because there are obviously plenty of different options out there today. You don't necessarily need to be a member to do warehouse-style shopping, uh, more convenient ways to do it. So, I mean, I think Costco is a very good, very customer-centric business that has 
done something well for a really long time, and I don't expect that to change at all. But I think that the growth prospects for the company going forward aren't the most attractive in the world. I think if I have, you know, if I have if I have a thousand dollars to plunk down on. Amazon or Costco. I mean, I'm going to take Amazon ten times out of ten. But I think Costco is it's it has a place in the portfolio if you're looking for some kind of a sort of defensive play there, a little bit more of a, you know less less volatile sort of of holding. I mean, they are a very customer centric company. Um, I really wish that man when they they just they buy back shares and with a company like this, that share count needs to come down. It's it goes up. That that's something I just can't get past for whatever reason. But that seems like you're doing it wrong. If, if you're buying back you know, shares and the share count goes up, you it's can't really tout that as as, as shareholder friendly, no. right? I mean, in in the fact that they took out three billion dollars in debt to pay that dividend. I mean, I you know, I just don't think that's. I think that's an acknowledgement from management that it's going to be tough times in, in the days ahead for capital appreciation on the stock. So they're rewarding those shareholders today, but. Um, yeah, I mean this this is a way to reach out to an audience that they haven't really been able to uh, to to crack yet, and, and um, you know if it brings a few people in, that's great. They'll they'll probably retain a lot of them. Well, and if you're on Groupon's mailing list, you're going to know pretty quickly whether or not this is working for Costco, because if it is, you can probably expect to see a lot more of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taylor Muckerman, Jason Moser, thanks for being here, guys. Thank Appreciate you. it. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for today's edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.